Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right. Another week and a win streak to talk about here in Philadelphia as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 38. At the top of this week's show, as always, we've got Chalk Talk, where Greg Costell and I recap Sunday's win over the Buffalo Bills and transition to breaking down those Arizona Cardinals on both sides of the football. Then we've got two technique with Eagles tight end Zach Ertz. He's going to break down the stick nod route. You remember that touchdown pass he caught against the New England Patriots. We're going to break that route down, and then we're going to close it out, as we always do, with Saturday scouting. We're going to break down some of the most recent all-star game announcements. We've got some bowl games to talk about this weekend, but before we get into all of that, it's time to welcome in my favorite guy in the room, the man with a plan, my esteemed producer, Brian Thomas. What's up, BT? How are you, sir? Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, you got to spend this past game up in the booth, as you typically do. All the home games, I'm up in the uh, the radio booth with Merrill and Mike, so it's a, it's a cast of uh, interesting crew up there <laughs> as the game's going on. I know. Uh, we've shared many good stories with, uh, with Merrill and Mike, and uh, the cast of characters, as you like to call them, up there in the booth, and uh, it must be a great experience. I, do you do you often just kind of sit back and think, man, like you grew up listening to Marilyn Mike? Is it cool, like, to be up there each and every? I week? try not to take it for granted, yeah. but after doing, you know, being around those guys for eight years, you, you know, it's it's kind of it becomes uh, becomes the norm more yeah, or less. Sure. But uh, but it's always there's always something in every game that I'm like, holy smokes, whatever. So. Uh, but this this game was a close game. There we haven't had a close game. Well, yeah. I wasn't up in the booth in New England, so I I don't know their reactions. But sure. towards the end of the game, when uh, when we kicked the field goal to go up, and then they're driving back down, and Reynolds gets the interceptions, Merle is just like standing up and just going crazy. So it's it's cool to see Merle's always into it, like always into it. But uh, when the games are close and they matter like now, it's always interesting to see both of them standing up and just kind of like on their on their. On their toes, just ready for a win. It's one of those things where, obviously, look, both of us love what we do, and we love coming to work every day. And obviously, we're we're very lucky to work where we work. We work for the Philadelphia Eagles teams. We uh, we, we both grew up, we grew, grew up, up loving. Yeah. You know, there's pictures of BT and I uh, in high school <laughs> in our Eagles jerseys uh, around the Philadelphia area. And uh, you know, it, it's cool at times to just kind of sit back and re- and reflect and say, "Hey, well, look, we're lucky to be here." I've done some interviews and, and some stories on guys recapping how they've gotten from where they are as kids to sure. where they are now, and it's interesting to to look back at when we shadowed Angelo Cataldi, and <laughs> you know, you, right. you had your stuff with Sheltonham on on the Access Channel, and more or less like a Daily News Live type show. But I was a part of it for a couple episodes. But it's interesting to see how far we've come and to and to be able to do what we do now, and see Merle's reaction on a weekly basis where like you know like you said I grew up I remember hearing the fourth and one on the radio driving in the car when they stopped Emmett Smith so there's certain moments that you know you can you can look back on and be like man I can't believe I'm I'm experiencing these live in person so it's pretty cool I would say that of the two of us fans would most likely kill to be in your shoes on game day to be up in the booth with those guys as opposed to I, I mean I'm just I'm just I'm just watching the game I and mean, you get to be up in the booth. But you're also getting Mike a, you're also Mike getting a live game. break. I mean, you and you and Greg are doing live breakdowns of why things are happening. People wait all week to watch those to say, okay, why did why did Zach Ertz get open? I mean, right. obviously it was a little bit of a rub, a pick play. But you know what what made these Eagles successful in terms of creating pressure on you know well it was Richie Incognito. That's what yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but, but you know it's 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 cool having different vantage points. I, I will say I, to be able to 
to be live at an NFL game is incredibly um, it's it, it's it's unbelievable. I can't yes. I can't really put words in. To be on the sideline. Oh yeah, it, it's unbelievable. No question about it. All right, well, let's get this show started with the man of the hour, Greg Cosell, NFL Film Senior Producer. It's time, that time of the show. Let's get the chalk talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Join me once again here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, NFL Film Senior Producer Greg Cosell, analyst for Eagles Game Plan that you can find on PhiladelphiaEagles.com as well as locally on NBC10 on Saturday nights. Greg, uh, appreciate the time as always. Obviously another big win, our first win streak here in a while uh, in Philadelphia that we get to talk about. Big win over the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. Uh, I know you've been through the film on both sides of the ball. Let's talk about the offense. What were your initial thoughts coming away after watching the offensive film? Some big plays. Obviously, still not a ton to talk about on the ground. They still weren't able to sustain much on the ground. But uh, what did you see from Sam Bradford overall? I'll tell you what I saw, Fran, and I had to keep rewinding numerous times, was I saw a three-level stretch. Yeah. And I kept seeing it, and I kept seeing it. And I was really happy that I kept seeing it because it's a terrific route concept, and it has a vertical dimension to it. And Aguilar scored on a three-level stretch on the 53-yarder, but you saw it right away on the first series when Zach Ertz caught the 21-yard pass. And I was really happy to see that they're attacking with route concepts down the field because I felt that that was something that this team's been lacking. Yeah, no question. And it was interesting. You brought up that you saw it on the on the arts play. You saw it on the Aguilar play. They ran it a few different times. Correct. And what I saw on the backside of it was they had that man pressure beater with the quick in-breaking route from yeah. number one with the vertical route from number two. Almost had a little bit of a rub element there, uh, which they hit Riley Cooper that very last drive of the second quarter when they were driving to kick that field goal yep. to make it 17-10. Uh, they were able to, you know, Bradford sense pressure pre-snap, and he was able immediately to just throw it to, to Cooper on the quick slant route. Uh, it was good that you kind of had that, okay, we're going to have to take a vertical shot play here, but if we feel quick pressure, you know you have that man pressure beater on the backside. Yeah, and I think, you know, we don't want to jump ahead yet, but that kind of stuff will be critical this week, and we'll get into that. But uh, I thought the offense, in terms of the run game, again, it had that sustainability, not necessarily a ton of yards, but some sustainability to it. Uh, and I thought the pass game, it, it's still ultimately to me a little uneven, a little erratic. Uh, but again, I, I know Sam threw a pick, but it's been pretty efficient with throwing the football. Uh, and I, I think overall the offense has been certainly better than it was for long stretches earlier in the season, but not yet where they need it to be. And we can talk about whether that pick was actually a pick uh, numerous times. We talked about it numerous times in the studio on Sunday. I wasn't sure that it was, but <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter what we think. No. It was called a pick. Exactly right. So, uh, so the defensive side of the football, lots of, lots of like too. You know, I, I thought that the corners played well. I thought Eric Rowe yeah. showed, showed pretty well against, against Sammy Watkins. They did some interesting things from a coverage standpoint. Fletcher Cox was Tremendous. once again uh, ridiculously good up front. Uh, after such a strong performance last week that didn't net any sacks or any big plays uh, you know, from a production standpoint, was very, very disruptive on Sunday. Yeah, and I thought one other player who has been had not played well at all most of the season, I thought Kiko Alonso had his best game of the year. Yeah. And I, he was noticeable on film. I thought he looked a little quicker and faster laterally. I remember one running play where he stepped up, took on a block, and made the tackle. I just thought that he looked like a better player, whether this is the beginning of him 
getting back to what he was his first year in Buffalo. Only time will tell. But he certainly looked like a better player. Clearly, they think he's doing better because in their dime package, he was the linebacker. So they're telling you by how they're utilizing him now that they think he's playing better as well. Yeah, you know, he kind of got spotlighted in that uh, Mike Gillisley touchdown. It overpursued a little bit. Right, he did. Well, it's funny that that happened because he was actually, there was a blocker assigned to him. And the blocker, uh, it was the center, Eric Wood. That was his responsibility. And Wood got caught up and did not block uh, Kiko Alonso. But Alonso was pursuing hard. And yes, he got beat on that. Gillisley cut back. Yeah, and then uh, you look at the secondary. I I mean, what, what were your thoughts watching Byron Maxwell and Eric Rowe? I thought... Uh, going in that it was probably or coming out of the game it was definitely the the best game for the two of them together as a starting tandem yeah and I think you can make the argument and and again you try to be realistic when you do evaluations as coaches should be by the way other than Sammy Watkins there was no real intermediate to vertical threat on this team other than by design I mean there was a really nice 32 yard completion to Robert Woods which was a great concept a great concept to beat, it was quarters coverage to that side, and basically they attacked quarters with delayed routes. You know, first Clay and then Woods, and there was nothing that I, I think it was Ed Reynolds that could do about it. But, but I think you have to be aware that other than Watkins, this is not a big time receiving core. Nothing really intermediate or vertical. But again. I thought the secondary, for the most part, played well in this game. And it's been two weeks now that Ed Reynolds has essentially been. The, the uh, third safety. Yeah, no question about it. And uh, it was just good to see a young player like that after uh, giving up the touchdown where he was a little bit late coming over. He was rotating, to, to be fair, he was rotating away from the direction of the play and in a cover one robber look, uh, was rotating away yes. back towards the middle of the field and then had to retrace. Took not, not such a great angle coming no, back and, to the sideline. And his game is ultimately, he's not, he's probably not a true single high safety where he's going to cover sideline to sideline. Yeah, consistently. But, right. But you're right. That play was was actually a, a disguised man-free robber lurk coverage. And even though he was on the side of Watkins, he was running toward the middle of the field away from Sammy Watkins. Right. And so it was good to see on, a, on the same exact coverage late in the game for him to be able to uh, retrace his steps and take a better angle and come away with the interception. It was good to see a, a young player come away with a play like that. Uh, let's look now to the Arizona Cardinals. Obviously a team that... Uh, is very, very dynamic on both sides of the football. Uh, I can remember last week as I was doing my initial prep work for the Cardinals and just looking at some numbers, uh, what they had done so far this year, and they were in the top 10 in pretty much every statistical category. On both sides on of both the ball. Sides of the football, <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, which you know, is obviously a pretty daunting task. But uh, let's just start with their pass game. And three things that I took away immediately after watching them. Obviously, a vertical shot team, which we've known since Bruce Arians has been there. That's his MO. Uh, the other thing, a lot of screens. Yes, and they throw. They have every screen in the book, and then also when they do go quick game, a lot of rub elements, a lot of pick plays. We remember the play uh, Larry Fitzgerald scored on the long touchdown. I want to say it was very early in the second half last year uh, when the Eagles traveled down to Arizona to Larry Fitzgerald. It was a little pick play. The the coaches kind of thought there should have been a penalty called, but uh, definitely a big part of their offense as well. Yeah, it's it's a vertical offense. It has a lot of concepts to the pass game. It's it's and also one-on-one matchups where they can win with their speed. But a lot of three-level stretch concepts, uh, they understand what Bruce Arians is really, really good at, and you and I have talked about this, is he really understands how to attack zone coverage concepts with his route combinations. 
And I think I've always believed, well, I was taught this by Mike March years ago, that you have to understand the rules of different coverages in order to break down those coverages. And I feel Bruce Arians, from studying tape of him for years and years, is as good as anybody in the NFL at doing that. And it's, it's interesting because they've added a couple pieces to that offense over the course of the last couple of years at the wide receiver position. J.J. Nelson, the rookie, hasn't been uber productive so far this year. No, but year, he can run. But he can run. And John Brown has, is so yep. explosive. I mean, his ability uh, to go from zero to 60 uh, in, a, in a heartbeat is it's and, unique. And there's a lot of people in that Cardinals organization, and, and Bruce Arians has been around a long time, who see John Brown as a very similar wide receiver to Marvin Harrison. Wow. And that's pretty high praise. Yeah. Uh, But they certainly can run. Uh, They can beat you with their concepts. They can beat you with pure speed. Uh, And Carson Palmer is as good a deep ball thrower as there is in the league. He's as an aggressive a thrower as there is in the league. He will turn it loose now. If it's man, he's throwing the ball. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, to see – uh, how the narrative has changed a little bit on Larry Fitzgerald. I can remember a couple of years ago, people thought, you know, he, hey, he's done. He's definitely – and obviously, look, he's, is he a little bit past his prime? Sure, uh, doesn't run as well as he no. used to. But still very, very productive, the leading receiver on this team right now. Plays a good amount in the slot, and when they do line him up out wide, it's a lot of the screen plays and those pick plays that we've talked about, uh, but still very, very effective down the seam. And, you know, one thing that's overlooked, their run game is productive. Now, they run to stay balanced. They don't run to set up the pass, even though there is play action in their arsenal. They don't run to throw, as a lot of teams do. They run to stay balanced. And the reason I mentioned that, you talked about Larry Fitzgerald. He is a significant part of their run game in his in-line blocking. Yeah. He's, he is inserted in line as a blocker. He's not just blocking on the outside if a back happens to get into the open. He's used in much the same way Bruce Arians used Heinz Ward in Pittsburgh. But Fitzgerald inserts in, and he makes really good blocks. Well, let me ask you, because I'll put you on the spot here. Uh, this is obviously not a great running team a year ago. I remember when no. the Eagles went down to, to face them. That was obviously a, a sore spot in their offensive attack. They've added some pieces there. They, they drafted David Johnson. They went and signed Chris Johnson. Yes. They brought in Mike Upati. What do you think is the biggest reason why the numbers have been so much better this year as compared to last year? Is it more personnel-based, or do you think they've made more of an effort to, to try and stay more consistent? And so uh, the, the, uh, the concern with trying to run the ball is starting to result in bigger numbers. What do you think is the biggest uh, reason for the upswing? In all honesty, Fran, I think it's personnel-based. I think their O-line is better. I didn't think their O-line was very good last year. Right. And I didn't think they really had a back last year. Uh, And while Chris Johnson, he's hurt now, but while you wouldn't say he's a top three or four back, he certainly has a skill set that plays in the NFL. And David Johnson, who's now played, I think he started two or three consecutive weeks. He's a big back with speed. Uh, He's probably a little straight line, but he's a big man and he can run. So... You know, I think, as I said, they're not a running team first, but they do run the ball. And they often run it, and you probably noticed this watching some tape of of the cards. They're one of those teams, they don't try to trick you with the run game. When they run, they'll usually line up with two tights or, or, you know, I mean, they're not one of those teams, let's spread it out and try to run it. They don't really do that. They line up and they run the ball. Yeah, no question. And the other thing, uh, you mentioned David Johnson. His big thing coming out of college was his abilities as a, as a receiver. So you talked about the screen game. 
Uh, it's not necessarily always the screen game with him. I can remember so many times last year watching him as a senior, him running vertical routes down the seam and winning. They use a, him that way. Yeah, wheel, he scored a touchdown. Yeah. He scored a touchdown earlier this year on a very similar play. Yeah, so he's he's a weapon. And obviously now that he plays the majority of snaps at running back, you have to be concerned about it. And, you know, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't surprise me to see Bruce Arians feel that there are some matchups that he can exploit with the Eagles linebackers depending on situation with David Johnson in the pass game. How do you feel about, and they have Upati and Jared Valdir on the left side, how do you feel right now about this? The, the threesome you have send line at center uh, at right guard. You have Lin, uh, um, Ted Larson at right and a right, tack- and a right tackle. Bobby you've got Massey. Bobby Massey. Well, I think when you look at this offensive line, I think it's in all honesty, probably an above average old line, but not a whole lot more. And I think that's an area that the Eagles need to be able to attack and win in this game. If they're going to beat Arizona. And not so much in the run game. Yeah, the run game for sure. They certainly don't want to give up five, six, seven-yard runs. But the Cardinals, they ask their five offensive linemen to protect without help a decent amount. Maybe, I don't want to say more than other teams because I don't chart that, but certainly an awful lot, as you know, from studying them. And they rely on Palmer, a veteran quarterback, to get the ball out. They rely on Palmer to read blitz pre-snap and get the ball out. They rely on Palmer for a lot of things, but there's a lot of five-man pass protection concepts, and that's where the Eagles are going to have to win. And that's what, to me, is always going to be, and I've always loved how Bill Davis has attacked empty sets because he, he gets very creative right. in how he's able to do it. And it's funny, I'll, I'll give the listeners a, a little bit of a peek behind the curtain here. We were having a discussion. Uh, we shot a couple segments earlier today. Uh, to be used later on in the week and, and over the weekend. And one of the segments is based on the empty sets that the Cardinals run and then how the Eagles have attacked empty in the past. And one of the ways was, uh, you can remember back to that TE stunt that they ran against New England Patriots, the very first series where Connor Barwin came in free. You had, Connor, you had uh, Fletcher Cox lined up Head over, up the, over center. the center. Yep, Fletcher Cox lined up over the center. Brandon Graham has a three technique. He goes outside. Connor Barwin loops inside, and he's got a free, ru- free rush. One of our other producers asked, well, if, a, if an offensive line comes to the line of scrimmage and they see Fletcher Cox lined up over the center and they see uh, Brandon Graham and Connor Barwin lined up uh, to the same side, do you almost have to assume uh, that it's going to be some kind of a game there? Can they slide the protection that way? And it was almost like a light bulb went off in my head, and I thought of the third down sack on the very first drive this past week against Buffalo where it was the same formation. You had, uh, you had Fletcher Cox over the center. And you had Brandon Graham and Connor Barwin to the same side. And Buffalo turned the protection that way. Richie Incognito, the left right. guard. Everybody slid that way. And Fletcher Cox just jumped it. He completely counted on the overset from Incognito, jumped into the B-gap and, and won with a club rip and got Scott free to the quarterback, Tyrod Taylor. It's going to be really interesting to see how the Eagles are able to attack those empty sets and those five-man protections. Yeah, and it's going to be critical to be able to do that. Because those are the times you have to capitalize on the fact that your D-line is better than their O-line, uh, particularly in, in uh, their, their sub-package D-line, where they have Curry, Cox, uh, Graham, and usually Connor Barwin. And that's where they're going to have to win. Because, you know what, Palmer does get sacked every week. The question is just how meaningful are those sacks. As I recall, was it in last – I think they played them two years in a row. Yep. Because I remember they, they lost. The Eagles beat them, was it here, Two when Nick ago. Foles was the quarterback. Yep. And then obviously they lost last year 
on the 75-yard touchdown of John yep. Brown late in the game. Don't have to remind me. I was yeah. there. Yep. Um, <laughs> but in one of those games, and I can't remember which one, they sacked Palmer early and caused a fumble. Was it last year? Because I believe Trent Cole made the hit. It was either last I believe year. it was two years was ago. Was it two years ago? Was the one two and years I don't ago. remember if that was empty, but he won a one-on-one matchup. Right. They're going to have to win one-on-one matchups, certainly when the cards are empty. Sure, it's going to be very, very interesting to see uh, how that comes down. And we can't talk about defensive pressure without talking about this Arizona defense yeah. and what they can do. Uh, we had Chip Kelly in studio earlier today, and he ta- said that uh, they blitz more than any team that that they've seen in the league. Almost fifty percent of the time, That's they're sending some kind of pressure. Uh, so the Eagles will obviously have to be prepared for that. It's interesting that they they blitz more now that Todd Bowles is gone. Todd Bowles leaves. Uh, James Belcher steps in as the defensive coordinator, and they turn up the heat even more than what they did in twenty fourteen. And they play a lot of man. Yeah, and that's the thing. So uh, they don't give you easy throws. So you have to try to beat man coverage with your concepts. And what's going to be fascinating about this? There's two. There's many elements that are fascinating about the Cards blitz. Number one is they blitz with defensive backs a lot, and we can call Dion Buchanan a linebacker, but obviously in terms of size and movement, he's a defensive back. Uh, so they, he's part of the blitz packages. Tony Jefferson is an excellent blitzer. Tyran Matthew is a terrific edge player. Boy, these guys come with speed. That's the thing. As you're talking about, when you blitz with secondary players, they come with speed. Now, we had a long discussion in the office today talking about uh, why the Eagles are not blitzed much at all. And we didn't necessarily have a, a great answer for that. And, but the Eagles are not blitzed a lot. I would bet that Arizona will change that trend. I think it's in their DNA to pressure, and it will be very interesting to see how Chip feels he can handle their blitz. Will he feel that he has to keep a back in, which he does not want to do? That's really not part of the Eagles' offense, keeping backs into pass protect. Or will he feel at some point that, hey, I've got to keep a back in because – uh, the one thing you don't want to have happen in this league is to get your quarterback hit consistently. Yeah, and there and there's two things to that too. Is uh, and they're so good at it. Arizona yeah. is when you have those man pressure schemes. If you do keep a back in, it's not like you're gaining a man because so often those guys green dog they, and now exactly. you're, you're just adding another other right, man to right, the pressure. Right, 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 so, right. Uh, it's very, very interesting to see how that'll happen. But that's why coming out of last week's game, I was so interested to see how well. Bradford did against the blitz from Buffalo. You know, I counted nine different six-man pressures yeah. from the Bills, and he was six of nine for 69 yards. Two of those three incompletions were drops from the receivers. So I felt like Bradford handled the pressure pretty well, did a good job moving within the pocket, only one true incompletion. Uh, that'll be big for him on, the, on Sunday. Yeah, and the one Arizona. thing I will say, uh, in looking at the game against Buffalo last week, Bradford, I believe, dropped back 39 times. 13 of those dropbacks, there was no safety in the middle of the field. And it, I'm not saying they were all cover zero blitz. They weren't. But there was no safety in the middle. And the Eagles did not really attack that. And in the NFL, if there's no safety in the middle, you have got to attack that. And I, I think the Cards will see what happened last week. They're a naturally more aggressive team than the Bills. And I think they're going to attack. And they're going to make – you know, when you attack, you're not just attacking the quarterback, as you know. You're attacking a lot of things. You're attacking the protection. You're also, when you play man behind it, if it's man blitzes, you're attacking the receivers because you're asking them to have to win against man coverage. 
then you're asking the quarterback to have to make precise throws against pressure and man coverage. So it's not just one player you're going after when you blitz, even though everybody thinks you're blitzing the quarterback. Yeah, and it's interesting. They're able to take those chances because they have such an athletic back end of the defense. Yes. You know, Patrick Peterson is back to his typical form uh, as one of the elite cornerbacks in this league. Tyron Matthew is such a dynamic player uh, at the safety position, also plays down in the slot, obviously, uh, has such natural ball skills and has the ability to play the ball in the air. Justin Bethel, who they, they just extended, to gave an extension He's to. He's a pretty good player. Yeah, a really athletic kid, yeah. for sure, from a small school. I think Bethune-Cookman uh, he came out of. I'm Presbyterian. Sure. Presbyterian, good call. That's exactly where he's from. Presbyterian. Uh, you know, they've got a number of different guys on the back end of that defense that uh, you know have really good movement skills and play the ball really well in the air. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting matchup for the Eagles offense. Uh, you know, obviously they've been able to run the ball with sustainability these last number of weeks. You don't necessarily see a lot of long runs, but – in some ways, this is what I think Chip wants. You look up, and it runs five yards, and then second and five. Then you look up, and it's third and one. You know, I, that's sort of the way this uh, offense is built. Yes, they hit the big play with Aguilar last week, but you would, really wouldn't call the Eagles' offense a big play offense. Certainly not the way the Cardinals' offense is. No, certainly not. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the – and this is almost a, a – Look, this is a two-game win streak after the Eagles had lost three straight. It was it was tough times here in Philadelphia, yep. and I think fans want to know: is is this this is this win streak for real? Do we really have something to be excited about as the Eagles make a playoff push? Uh, a win against an eleven and two Arizona team would be, especially coming off some extra rest to a ten day break uh, after playing on Thursday Night Football last week, uh, would be a good statement. Yeah, it'll be a very interesting game. Uh... You know, again, that's why they play the games, because when you look at it just as a matchup, particularly with the cards, O Eagles, D, you, you kind of think, boy, that's going to be a tough one. But we've seen we've seen stranger things happen. No question about it. Well, uh, Greg Cosell, I appreciate the time as always here on Chalk Talk. We will talk to you next week. Thanks, Fran. Great stuff, as always, from Greg. And you could follow him on Twitter at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it. I'm at FWE3. You can follow me on there. I love going back and forth with fans on Twitter, just talking about the game, talking about the Eagles, college football, the NFL, uh, concepts. I, lo- I love chatting with guys. And really, the, uh, the other thing, too, is I share this podcast, all the other podcasts I'm a part of, the Eagle Eye in the Sky column, all other different pieces of content that we have on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and across all the Eagles network channels uh, I share on my Twitter feed. So uh, feel free to hit me up on there. But before we get to the rest of the show, BT, uh, have we picked, finally, our, uh, our winner for some uh, Eagles merch? We did it. We, we did got, it. We got, we got someone. It was, it was uh, uh, a reoccurring member, uh, listener of the show, Anthony Russomano. There we go. That's your boy. So Anthony, if my, I, I love the last name, Russomano. This guy, I hope he makes good, uh, he's he's a make good, good lasagna. He's got to be an Italian guy. So, guy. That's right. Uh, Anthony's always kind of commenting on the show, giving us what he liked, what he, what he, what he hasn't liked. So, um. So we're going to send something to you, Anthony. Look out, look out on the mail. Eagle Santa is on the way. So, uh, but if you want to be someone that you know, we'll still keep sending stuff out. But you got to You got to send us some good, some good hard comments. You have you to rank the show, rank it, rate it on rank the, on it, the platform. subscribe. I mean, obviously, hopefully you're subscribed, you're ranking, and then uh, and then leave a comment. You know, you want to hear this interview with this player. You want to hear a game time that's like this, or you have, you know, obviously, mail your sending your question for mailing it in, but. Um, just send in your stuff, and we'll certainly get something out to you. But uh, Anthony left a question that I wanted to throw at you. So like he, it. Okay. We're obviously more of a 3-4 defense. In base, sure. In base, sorry. Yep. This is in base. He wonders, can we go to a 4-3 having ends like Vinnie Curry and Brandon Graham, who are obviously probably more 4-3 ends than 3-4? You know, I think that 
it doesn't necessarily matter whether or not you play three four four three in base because teams and the Eagles are one of them are so often now in their sub package. And we talk about it. We talk about it, especially this week. We're taking on the Arizona Cardinals. I just got done talking about it with Greg. You know, you have a guy like Dion Buchanan. Obviously, you're talking secondary versus front seven. And oh well, how how does that matter when you're talking about four three three four? Dion Buchanan's a safety on the roster. He's a safety. But on the field, he's a linebacker. I mean, he play he plays at the his line responsibilities scrimmage. are what linebacker responsibilities exactly, are because he is a he is a nickel linebacker or a dime linebacker. He plays that money position in that defense, and really, it just comes down to what how can you impact the game in the sub packages. So, you know, and I've really kind of turned a, a one eighty on this because I remember uh, a couple years ago, Aaron Donald. Okay, he's coming out of the draft, coming out of Pittsburgh. We saw him at the Senior Bowl, and he was so dominant down there in he's Mobile. Too small. He he's too small. He's too small. Can he play? Can he play in a three four? You know, would a three four team be able to? Yeah, but now, so yeah, obviously he's playing in a four three, but any team could use him because when you play in your sub package and you have the you know a split front or a wide front, especially on downs, if you're, yeah. you're talking passing downs, yeah. third and nine. Now you're going to impact the game, right? So, you know, I think that that's where Vinny Curry is able to make his impact. That's where Brandon Graham's able to line up in a three-point stance. He's not playing in space. He's, he's lining up in a three-point stance, hand in the dirt, and he's getting after the quarterback in a four-man front. Uh, now, the Eagles, obviously, they utilize all those pieces in a lot of different ways. Sometimes you're going to see Barwin and Graham on the same side of the line of scrimmage. Sometimes you're going to see both of those guys standing up at a two-point, and you might see Fletcher Cox standing up at a two. I mean, they move those pieces around. To me, really, it just comes down to what are you doing on first and ten uh, when you expect it to be a running play, how are you lining up? And what really ultimately, to me, what it comes down to is, are you a one-gap team or a two-gap team? Because there's, there's also those three, four under teams. So you, even though you're uh, a three, four by alignment, you know, with three down linemen and four linebackers, you're in, you're in essence playing as Your a responsibilities as a are, are what would be a 4-3. Exactly. And that's what J.J. Watt was in with Wade Phillips for so much of his career uh, down in Houston for the early part of uh, his tenure there. That's what team you – know, really what it comes down to is are you a one-gap team or a two-gap team on those base downs? Because once you get into you know second and long, third and long, and you think the offense is going to pass – now you're pinning your ears back and you're going. So the one thing I've just noticed watching tape and really watching games and, and watching it kind of the, the game inside the game, it's it's all about your schedule between first and third down. So are you on schedule or are you off schedule? You know, so if you're gaining three or four yards per play, you're giving yourself the playbook is open. So sure. that that way the defense has they can't clue on what you're doing. Right. But if you lose first and second down and it's third and eight, it's pretty much obvious you're that you're probably not running. You're probably not time. running a draw or, yeah, or you know. Right. So, well, you might run a draw, but you're not running a halfback dive right. in the middle. So, the one thing I've noticed is more teams, teams are not in base, in, in their base defense, 3 4, 4 3, whatever it is, because there's so many three wides and you have these freakish tight ends. And so, you've got to be able to be multiple and prepare for, okay, there might be a zone read here, but there also might be, you know, a, a slant rub, you know. Exactly. So, you've just got to be prepared for multiple situations, which is nice. Like, you have a guy like Malcolm Jenkins who can go to safety and base, but then drop down. And nickel and, and dime and play in the slot. So that's exactly right, and that, that's ultimately what it comes down to is, uh, you know, with your sub packages on the field, how are you then playing? How can a player impact the game in that way? So. I think I think the days of just being a defense, right. being a three oh, yeah. four defense on every down, that doesn't just doesn't yeah. exist anymore. Yeah, it really, it really doesn't. To me, really is it, it comes down to 
you might be just a 4-3 team. And maybe, you know, you'll have some exotic looks in there for sure. But if you're a 4-3 team, you're typically not going to see too many odd base fronts. You might see some, uh, some amoeba fronts and things like that in your sub package. But it's rare that you'll see too many uh, three down linemen looks from a 4-3 quote-unquote team. Uh, but if you're a 3-4 team, you're going to spend a lot of time with four down linemen. I mean, that's what happens. Every 3-4 team in the league goes to their sub package with four down linemen. So, uh, as you can tell, we could talk about this. But if you guys, you know, like, a, you guys this question to Belichick, Belichick changes week to week depending exactly. on what the team is. So, you can't say to Belichick, are you a 4-3 or 3-4? Right. He'll say, what is the other per- what's, what's the other team doing? Exactly. So, it's, it's a lot predicated on matchups and stuff like that. No question about it. So, uh, we can continue talking about that for a long time. But uh, to keep the show going, let's get to my two-technique segment. I had a great discussion with Zach Ertz, uh, Eagles tight end, about the touchdown he did score against Bill Belichick and those New England Patriots. Let's get to that discussion now. Time to get inside the mind of a player. It's time for two-technique. Joining me this week on two-technique on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, Eagles tight end Zach Ertz. And, Zach, last week you caught a touchdown pass against New England Patriots. A little bit of a stick nod route, and it was yep. a route that really don't see too much in this offense. Can you just talk about what goes into that route? What are you trying to do uh, pre-snap? What is going through your mind? Yeah, um, I had a I had a 32 pressed in my face, so I really had to take my time and be patient. Uh, I knew he was going to be very physical early in the route, so I kind of had to use my hands and work him a little bit. And then when you get about five yards downfield, then you really want to make your move. I I knew that I, I had to be patient, but at the same time, the timing was a little off because I got pressed, so I. So I took one step to the outside, and then 32 kind of just bit this, uh, what's called the quote-unquote stick route, and then I just kind of took it high, and Sam made an unbelievable throw. So when you're pressed in that situation, and you know you're running that route, are you trying to make sure you get an outside release? you want to get inside? Like, how does that work? Um, I think on that route, I kind of just wanted to go wherever he would let me go. Uh, there wasn't too much thinking involved because I had to get out of the way because there was a guy coming in motion that I kind of had to let go as well. So I kind of went the outside, then went inside, and then ultimately went outside again. And then just since it was a little off timing-wise, I, 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 just, um, I just went one step out and then to the back of the end zone. So in a pass like that, it's a contested, uh, contested situation. You get to use some of your basketball skills. Yeah. Uh, is, that, is that what makes this route really one of your favorite ones to run? Are there other routes that you really enjoy running more? Or is this um, Anytime you could have a ball that's just kind of thrown up in the air and allow me to go up and get it, I do really like because it, it, it does allow me to kind of use my height and my size and my jumping ability uh, to kind of go up and get the ball. But at the same time, there's a lot of routes in this offense that I really like to run, and I think that one is, is at the top of the list. All right, last question. We talked about this last year, actually, on the Eagles Insider podcast. You like to go, this was against a safety would you rather go against a safety or a linebacker in coverage? Because obviously the linebacker, a little bit more physical, can do a little bit more damage close yeah. to the line of scrimmage. Safety is a little bit more adaptive um, playing space. I think there's pros and cons to both of them. When you get down to the red zone, there's not enough room, so the speed against the linebacker, um, it, is a, it is a limited space, but at the same time I'm usually able to jump higher than them and make a play on a ball better than them. And the safeties are going to be more athletic as well. So I think uh, it just depends on the route and who – um, I think who the guy is, but at the same time, on the on those plays, on the jump ball plays, um, it doesn't really matter to me. Great stuff there from Zach. He did a great job breaking down the stick nod route for you. So real quickly, I'm going to break down how to subscribe to a podcast. And if you're listening to this on the Eagles app or on the Eagles website, and if you like what you hear, it's really easy. All you have to do is just go to your device, whether it's your phone, your laptop, your tablet, wherever it is uh, that you're listening to this, 
Go and search. Go to your local podcast app and search for the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. You're going to find that podcast, the Eagles Insider podcast, the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. You hit subscribe. The show goes to your phone, to your laptop, to your tablet each and every week without you having to do a thing, and then you can listen whenever you want. It's a beautiful thing. I strongly suggest that you start subscribing to podcasts because it really is the best way to consume content. Uh, Before we end this show, let's wrap this up with the last part of our podcast, Saturday Scouting. It's time for Saturday Scouting. All right, B, let's wrap this show up here with uh, our final uh, segment, College Football Talk on Saturday Scouting. Let's talk first about some Senior Bowl acceptances, more released this week, uh, earlier than usual. It came on Monday this week as opposed to Tuesday, but some big names for sure. Yeah, guy, I definitely recognize his first name, a receiver from TCU, uh, Josh Doxon. What do you know about him? He, I mean, he's going to probably be the best receiver down there. He's a big would, kid, right? He's a, he's a big kid. Is yeah. uh, great with the ball in the air. You, I think between him and Aaron Burbridge and Braxton Miller from Ohio State, those are the three guys that you're really going to be looking at from the wide receiver position down in Mobile. Uh, but Dawson is, is just a really impressive kid just because of how easy he makes things look at the catch point. Uh, he has improved in a number of different areas. And for a bigger kid, he does move pretty well. So impressive in a lot of different ways. Missed the last few games. I believe it was with a wrist injury yeah. uh, this fall. But uh, just a really impressive kid. I'm excited to see him in person. I feel like he's been there for like seven years. You know, he's one of those has, guys that you yeah. just watch year after year. Like, he's still there. So You know what's impressive? He actually transferred from Wyoming. Really, he started in Wyoming and then he he played as a freshman there, and then he transferred. I think his grandfather was sick, so he was able to transfer home, and he had the exception from the NCAA. So, so he, he never was, lost a year. Never lost a year. Maybe he was that, able to yeah. play right away at TCU uh, as a true sophomore. So he's playing there last. There must years. be just so many plays they run that I just feel like I've seen yeah, it a right. thousand times. <laughs> exactly right. So what do you know about uh, Duke safety Jeremy Cash? So he's uh, will he play? The, will he play the money position? <laughs> well, you know what's funny is he plays. Uh, that's actually not a bad idea because really he plays, I believe it's called the strike position in that defense. For I love these Duke. names they come up with. Oh yeah. Well, the I mean, Rover, it's all the, the Joker. Exactly. You know. Well, and so it's a very similar scenario to Dion Buchanan. You know, if Jeremy cash goes to a team like that, he's going to be very productive, but if he goes to a team and he's not used in that way and he's asked to play single high or asked to play in the slot, I'm a little worried about what he, his future could be. So I think his, uh, ultimately his efficiency, his effectiveness will be very scheme-dependent at the next level. I would hope that a team would be able to draft him and put him in that scenario. So you say he's more of an in-the-box safety, similar to a Landon Collins? Yeah, and probably even more so. You wow, know, I, okay. Yeah, I, that, that was my concern. And there's look, he plays over the slot, and he plays over the tight end, and he's asked to do some things in coverage. But it's one of those things where just because he's asked to do it at the college doesn't level mean he should doesn't be mean that he can do it in the NFL. Right. You know, and I think that that's going to be the scenario there. It's going to be a big week for him in Mobile because, hey, he's either going to – uh, open some eye. It would be he's either going to open my eyes and decision makers' eyes, or he's going to he's going to solidify really gonna who solidify he is. what he is. Right. And a lot of people think that he could potentially be a first round pick. Uh, look, I mean, Dion Buchanan was a was a was a first round pick, and I didn't think of him that way going into that draft. Obviously, that they knew what they were doing. They had a plan for him when they took him. So, if a team has a similar plan, you know, if the New York Jets are picking at the you know, at twenty five, I, I don't know where they're where they're at right now in mock drafts. But if they're picking in that area and they say, "Hey, we think he could come here and be that type of player for us," then you know what? That makes a lot of sense. But uh, otherwise, I, I think he's very, very dependent on what kind of scheme he ends up in. I'd love to have him here because he'd be great for my my uh, 
my uh, fantasy team for next year. So casuals, <laughs> everything for around our, me. For, for our for uh, our for our fantasy league, our, our are, fantasy league inside here. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's very much so. Basically, all of our team names are uh, Eagles players. Like so your Taylor heart attack. I am the Taylor heart attack. So uh, BT is uh, Team T. I've never changed. My oh, name. that's it. Oh, I know. I embarrassing. Know. That's look. That's why I didn't make the playoffs. That's why I didn't yes, make the playoffs. There you go. So what can you tell me about South Carolina tight end Darrell Adams? So Adams is a bit undersized. I want to say he's like 6'2", 225, 230 pounds. I mean, he's very light for the tight end position. They, a certain kind of body type. I mean, he's one of those movement type players that uh, really is just kind of a bigger receiver uh, that can be moved all around the formation. That's what he was a couple years ago. That's what he continues to be now. And I think that he'll have the chance to prove himself down in Mobile. I'm looking at this last uh, last guy you, you have on the list, Baylor offensive tackle Spencer Drango. I thought I said Django at first. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, Django? Django. Like, talk about a guy I want now. No, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we keep talking about Spencer Drango. All right, so Drango has really been on the national radar now for the past few years. Uh, playing at say, Baylor. Playing at Baylor. I want to say that he's been uh, – he was an All-American, I believe, as a sophomore. Then he got hurt. He had a back injury. It was kind of a pretty serious injury. Uh, missed all of the 2013 season. Uh, came back last year and ended up playing a full slate of games this season. Plays as the left tackle, but a lot of people think that he'll be better off inside the guard. So we'll see what he ends up being down there in, uh, in Mobile. But an interesting guy just because he's, he's very calm in his pass set. I'd like to see him get a little bit stronger, but he's definitely got that guard build. So I think he's probably a better fit inside. You're not impressed. I can tell. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a nice player. He's, he's, okay. I think he's a good player. And I, I want to see more. more. I want to continue to do more work yeah. because a lot of my work so far has been from years past. So I want to see how he's developed so far as a senior. And I, and I like the senior bowl only because it's, it's your mock NFL week and you're going up against better talent than you probably faced yep, all year. Right. And you're having to see them produce in that, in, in a, in a week setting, which is more or less what they're going to have to do, obviously, week to week in the NFL. So, I, I like seeing how they handle the pressure, how they handle interviews, and, and just the whole the whole week. And I like I like being able to see kids uh, improve throughout the week. You know, if they, if a guy gets beat on a certain route, does a he corner, learn? Does right. he learn from that? You know, does he if he gets beat by a speed to power move uh, as an offensive lineman early in the week, does he get better by, at that by Wednesday or Thursday? Are they watching tape with the coaches? Oh yeah, okay, yeah, they I go would, for I, meetings, I, they, and that's why those those coaching staffs that get picked for those games. They treat it like a, uh, and it's great. It's a great advantage for them because they're working with the players in the classroom, you know, all through the week. Uh, and all it's like free classes. interviews for yeah, them. <laughs> basically, exactly right. It's a it's a great experience for those coaching staffs. Yeah, so can't wait to get down there. It's uh, it'll be coming up at the uh, end end of January. That's so right. hopefully we're uh, we're making a playoff push. But uh, and we got a couple of bowl games that came out. Yes. Uh, Cure Bowl and RNL Carriers, New Orleans Bowl. But the Cure Bowl, we have uh, San Jose versus Georgia State. You yes. have any guys in that game you watched? So one? the running back from San Jose State is a guy who really, really caught my eye. Marshall Falk? <laughs> yeah. Uh, his name's Tyler Irvin. And, you know, he got announced for the Shrine game. I knew, I knew who he was. I hadn't watched him yet. I hadn't studied him yet. Uh, I saw that he was really productive, so I was excited to really dig deep into him. And when I watched him, I was really, really impressed. Just a really good combination of speed, of athleticism, his quickness, his ability to create yards for himself. Uh, competitive kid, very decisive as a runner. Uh, he's small. I, mean, a, he's, I was going to say the size on him. He's sub 180. I mean, he's a smaller guy. So he'll need Sprolzy? to get into an NFL. Uh, we'll see. I mean, he'll, he'll need to get in an NFL rate, weight room, see what kind of weight he can add on and see if he can bulk up a little bit. But, you know, I think he's got ability to be – I mean, he's an NFL running back. No question about it. Now but the is question he a third is, down can back? He be a, can his, he be a feature-type back? Right. Uh, can he be a feature-type back in a, a spread offense system? Can he handle being a guy that can handle uh, 20, 20 carries a game? Right. That's going to be the question for him. But really, really impressive guy for sure. And then in the uh, RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl – love the name 
Louisiana Tech versus uh, Arkansas State. So Louisiana Tech's got three guys uh, on offense that are that are noteworthy. Um, well, I should say three guys total that are, that are noteworthy, and all three are going to be at the Senior Bowl. Uh, you got the quarterback Dr- Jeff Driscoll from uh, the Florida transfer. He's at Florida the past yep. three years. Didn't win the uh, job down there. So. Yep. So it was a big time recruit, and then he had to transfer out. And he went to Louisiana Tech. Now he sat out a year. He he did not. He did not. He graduated. Uh, so he graduated so from Florida. Yep. So he graduated from Florida. So he's able to play right away. Uh, and look, I, w- I was not expecting much because I, you know, I, watching him on TV, kind of uh, at Florida, you didn't think he, there was much there. Was there. Nothing, there was nothing that yeah. caught me off guard watching Exactly. Him so there, you didn't think there was much there. I'll tell you, what, he doesn't have a great arm, but he, he's a big kid. He's got light feet. He's pretty accurate. I mean, and all the things you hear, uh, our friend uh, Dane Brueger from CBS tweeted that some of the scouts he had talked to gave, uh, gave Driscoll the highest character and leadership grades that they can possibly hand out. So obviously he's got some things there from an intangible standpoint. Right. Uh, very, very interesting. So good. I mean, good for Driscoll for getting things turned around. I know he's a big time recruit when he got to Gainesville. Uh, and then, but really the guy that's going to steal the show is the running back, Kenneth Dixon, who I've been touting for a long time. I love the way that this kid plays really just a very competitive runner. He's athletic. He's got speed to get to the corner. He can run through tackles. We talk about a guy that can create yards for himself. Kenneth Dixon is that guy and he does it a number of different ways. Uh, every single time I've watched him, I've come away even more impressed. And I'm a really, really big fan. To me, he's a a guy that you could potentially talk about, and this may sound crazy. I think he could potentially be talked about as a later first round type player. I think he's a feature back at the. So next he's level. definitely got day one ability. I think he does. I think that in my mind he does. Uh, so Dixon's a guy for sure. And then you have Vernon Butler on the defensive side, a defensive tackle that can play a number of different roles. Stout kid that can hold up at the point of attack as well. Uh, that we'll see down in Mobile. We'll see all three of those guys at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Louisiana Tech tied Temple for uh, for three players down there. So uh, we'll be able to see all three of those guys down there at, uh, at the Senior Bowl. It's always nice to have football back. Uh, this Saturday, was it was a beautiful oh. day. I was out golfing, but... Dude, tell me how slow it was with oh, no college. I'm a brutal, huge man. college basketball guy. I can't do it right I now. Can't get into I can't it do now. college basketball while there's still football being played. Know. You know, you after New Year's, you know, it starts to kind of ramp up a little bit and you get playoffs and stuff. But I, yeah, I, 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 I turned it on. I had Army Navy, and I was like, "Where is every other college Where football game?" Else? And it just kind of dawned on me that obviously conference week is over. And it was, it was so brutal. to have, I, I was watching. Uh, it was. The Division One playoff. Yeah, oh, who was it? I forget who it was, but right now I will watch any football that I can take, and it's nice to have some guys that you can key on and and that you might see at the next level in, in All Star games and so on. Well, that's the thing is like uh, I think the first game is Alcorn State versus North Carolina A and T is the first bowl game. This is on when Saturday. you just do all these prop bets. <laughs> I'm probably I'm probably gonna watch Alcorn State and North Carolina A and T, but because there was nobody, There's, there was nothing on last week. You, I, there was nothing on last week, so I'm just starving for college football. So, uh, look, bowl games start this week, and then we're we've got something. To feel, it'll feel like every day. So, uh, only a few weeks left here of college football action. But uh, let's wrap this show up again. Uh, thanks again to Greg Cosell, to Zach Ertz, and to all of you out there listening. Whether you're on uh, iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podbay, and Podbean, and all the other yeah, podcast Podbay. apps. Yeah, there you go. I got it in there for nice. you. Uh, you know, wherever you're listening, and especially on the Eagles app and PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Thank you very much, and again. The best way to support the show, go on, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. It you could might be you. Get, you might get something. That's right. Anthony Russomano did it. It could be you. It could be you. You can get some uh, some autographed swag in the mail. So uh, for BT, uh, I'm Fran Duffy. We'll see you next week here on the Eagle on the Sky podcast.